Hi, and welcome back to another special episode of the Epic Experiment Podcast. It's episode 77, and I'm your host, Bruce. I'm joined online by my friend, Lux. How are you now? And I am doing just fine. What about you? Oh, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Uh, now, folks, I have to say I'm apologizing that we uh, didn't get an episode in last week. Um, there was some stuff that happened. Uh, yeah, just just called stuff. Stuff and things. Right, Lux? Just some stuff and yep. things? Yeah. <laughs> we don't need any more details of that. Some stuff and things happened, and so we didn't get an episode, but, but, we're, but we're back now. That's what matters now, right? We're back. We're at it. We're doing it. We're, co- we're doing it live here on uh, Monday, September the 13th. And uh, we've got a whole busy show packed. So uh, we get back, back down to business. Right, Lux? Yep. So, Lux, my friend, did you guys, uh, did you have a good weekend? Or did you guys, what did you guys get down to? I hear NFL kicked off. I hear that's kind of a big thing down for you guys. Yeah, man. I watched some NFL. I watched some college football. Nice, nice. Who's your who's your NFL team? Are you a Dallas Cowboys fan? And I am a Saints fan. A Saints fan? <laughs> Didn't the, <laughs> so the Saints beat the snot of the Packers, and you smiled. Yeah, but like I was kind of they like, confused. It's like okay, the Packers don't normally play this bad. No, no, they don't, and neither does Aaron Rodgers. Okay, so I gotta ask, why are you a Saints fan? Like I. Okay, so here in Canada, you cheer for your hockey team, right? And so you have a local hockey team, and you probably cheer for them because they get you get totally inundated with the local media. So I live in the Ottawa, Ottawa Valley, and so I get a lot of Ottawa Senators stuff, and that's my hockey team. Meanwhile, if you live in Montreal, you live in Toronto, you live in Winnipeg, Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, you get a lot of the local media so you almost, in, by default, become a fan for your local team. Now, you are local to the Dallas region. I'm curious, why are you not a Dallas Cowboys fan? Well, it's because I was mostly raised by my father, and he was a Saints fan. I mean, I get it. I mean, your, your parents, what's your, yeah. the way your parents cheer often influence the way um, we, you cheer. I mean, as a, as a small child, before Ottawa yeah. had a hockey team, I cheered yeah. for the Toronto Maple Leafs because my father cheered for the Toronto Maple Leafs. But uh, after the, the after we have we got a team here, um, it probably took me three years, and I was I was you know dead set on being an Auto Senators fan. Like you weren't you were not going to convince me otherwise. So um, I I and the NFL is different because I don't have a local football team to where I live. Um, I suppose if you had to ask me, I mean, I would probably say I'm a Buffalo Bills fan. Or I remember as a kid watching a lot of San Francisco 49ers games because uh, they would always seem to go deep into the playoffs with Joe Montana and Steve Young and, and guys like that uh, as quarterbacks. But um, it was never really clear that, you know, they were a little else won this weekend. I don't, I don't even know. Well, let's see scores. Mm, the Raiders are playing, you know. Uh, Philadelphia beat the snot out of Atlanta. Oh, look at that. Oh, Pittsburgh beat Buffalo. Carolina beat the New Jersey, no, sorry, New York Jets, and no one cares because the Jets are terrible, and so is Carolina. Minnesota and Cincy. Oh, the Bears, sorry, the, the Lions stink. They got beat by the 49ers. 
Nice. Good times. All right. Busy weekend, though. Yep. And so, who'd you watch from the, on the college football scene? I don't know. I have several different teams that I follow. There's the Longhorns, the Red Raiders, the Gators, and the Bulldogs. What are the Red Ra- Who are the Red Raiders? And Texas Tech. Okay, Texas Tech. Okay. Because, like, again, I don't know them by like, their name. I know them by the university or the college, right? So, yeah. anyway. Cool. Very neat. We don't have some of that stuff up here. Like, there's, yeah. like, university football up here is a thing, but not to the same degree. Like, people aren't rabid about it here. Uh, we like our football, and, and Canadian rules football is 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 definitely a thing, but uh, not to the same degree. Oh, boy. All right. But anyway, um, I took the kids apple picking on Saturday. That was actually kind of nice. It was pre- real, we had a real pretty day and went, went apple picking in the bright sunshine and had a, had a nice afternoon. Now I have 80 pounds of apples in my living room, but, you know, <laughs> got to do something with that. Maybe some apple pie and whatnot, but anyway. So, um, if any of you out there have a good recipe for apple pie crust, I'm all ears, folks, because I'm struggling making good pie crust. Just, just saying out there. All right. So, if you have a pie crust recipe that you think is easy that I could that I could hit like use like you know hit hit me up. I'm all ears. Okay, folks. You know how to reach us. Find us on Twitter. All right. Um. So we get to some housekeeping there, Lux. Yep. So every week you hear me say something to the effect of blah, 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 blah. Check us out at the Lotus Council, our home on the internet, blah, 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 blah. So more of the same. Come and check it out. Good place. Lots of cool people. Lots of good conversation. Lots of good exchanges on their Discord, which is free. I tell you it's free. It's free. You don't have to pay money. Um, And you should come and hang out. You can play games. Uh, through set up games the game the game uh, matchup channel you can talk about formats you can talk about trades you can talk about finance you can just rage about the world and how terrible things are sometimes that happens um but there's lots of really good people talking about lots of cool stuff so come and check out the lotuscouncil.com come check out their discord and come and hang out with us basically come and hang out with us that's what what we want to do all right Oh boy, Lux, are you ready? Yep. Buckle up. It's going to be a bumpy one tonight. All right, let's talk about segment one. No garbage are great tonight, folks. We have too much to do. We're going to talk about bannings. Ooh. All right, Lux, what got banned? And unfortunately, Golos the Twilightless Tracker got banned. Tyler's Pilgrim sure did. So here's the reasoning. So we'll put the link to the show to the article um, up so people can see it. But Golos was banned for a few reasons. One is for hoping to diversify commanders for five color decks, um, and then his ability reduces the commander tax, and it allows you to constantly play free spells. Being able to slot Golos into almost any deck at uh, little cost, stymied diversity as a Tyrus Pilgrim has been the most popular commander for years. Golos was deemed unhealthy for the format, and the article uh, uh, recommended something called Return of uh, Kenrith the King Returned as a new five-color good stuff deck commander in lieu of Golos. So, yes, we get the situation where we're looking at um, the Golos Tyler's program being removed because it 
basically stymies innovation because every deck that wants to be five color good stuff can can't do any better than playing golems. So Lux, how do you think? What do you think about this banning? Is this good for the format? Is this not good? So so good for the format? What do you think? And honestly, I'm not really sure because and I don't really in a do five color good stuff. Like you know me, I'm an Obzon player. And surprisingly, yeah. the only five color deck I've ever actually encountered was Ur Dragon. Oh, so okay. So having read uh, Sheldon's um, Sheldon's description, I understand where he's coming from. That Golos essentially is the best five color commander going because. You hit five mana, doesn't even matter what breakdown you have, um, because he's an artifact, you can play him for five generic, slam him, and go and find the missing mana that you're looking for to make to activate his um, seven mana activation ability and spin the wheel. And now you're just casting things for free. And sure, there'll be times when you don't hit seven mana worth of spells to cast off the top of your deck. You can hit a land, two lands and a and a removal spell or something like that. But there's going to be those turns where you hit a whole lot of dumb stuff off the top of your Golos Tireless Pilgrim deck. Because your deck is filled with them and you're looking to cheat them into play. So, um, I understand that argumentation in saying that we really shouldn't have Golos. I don't like... I don't like the banning. I don't like the banning because they let us have them for two years. Like, it's essentially two years this summer that we got Golos. And consequently, people have spent a lot of time building decks with Golos. And just all of a sudden not have your your five-color commander reasonably abruptly. It's not like they gave us a lot of hints. And... Now your your deck that's five color good stuff is kind of up creek because you know like had they had they done it within the first four months, sure, or just leave it now. Like really, now it's incumbent on playgroups to negotiate this, and that's the thing. It really should be incumbent on on playgroups to say, okay, Bruce, your Golos deck is no fun. We don't want to play against it. Play something else. And, you know, that really should have been where that conversation started and ended to rather than, you know, removing the card because it's doesn't engender interesting gameplay. And that's like, that's really is the issue. So, I mean, yeah, it goes and finds mana and yeah, it's really good, but like I'm, I tend to think that I don't, I don't like the banning. It doesn't, I don't think it really addresses, you know, the diversity of the format because I think there's, you know, lots of other decks that are just as egregious offenders as Golos decks. Um, and there's lots of people who've got Golos decks that are perfectly reasonable to play. And now they're just going to be, you know, out, up a creek. So... Not a big fan, just gonna say. It's not a big fan. Yeah. And because, like, if you really look into the reason why I got banned, 
like it wasn't because like it was problematic and it was game breaking. It's just that they they got tired of everyone using it. Yeah, like, and I'm sure there's some decks that are very very powerful. Like that were very very powerful that were you know really were problematic decks that leveraged Golos's ability almost too well. But I'm like, guys, I don't know about that because like having Golos being removed. Like short shortcuts, like ruins all the like mazes end decks that are out there. Like, you really can't play a mazes end deck now if you don't have a Golos. Or sorry, if you don't have Golos as, a, as an option, you can't. Like, I've got a Golos deck built as five color sagas. It's like it's not scaring anybody. But anyway, I I don't know. I just don't like it. I'm not a big fan. Um, yeah. I wish they had just let us like make it incumbent on us. Like, if we don't like it in our play group. And you have to say something and say, I don't like playing against that Golos deck. Can you can you play something different tonight? Now, the reverse is happening. If you have a Golos deck and you want to play it, you have to ask if I can play it. Which I think is also fair and changes like essentially nothing. So they might want to ban it, but I think there's going to be still an awful lot of Golos decks that hang around that people are going to play. Because they're going to go and they're going to essentially go and have the conversation and say, "Hey, you know, I built mine in such a way that it's not going to try and leverage Golos in this disgusting manner here. Can I play it?" And you know, maybe you flip the deck over and show them your cards and make sure they know they understand. Because, like, the other thing that I think happens with Golos, I don't think the, the the rules committee thought this through, is that Lux, if someone sits down with with a, with a Golos deck at your table. What are you? What is your immediate threat assessment of that player? Oh, and I would normally in the, like, I wouldn't really see them as that big of a threat first, but I would be in keep an eye on them. Like I'd study, you know, their play pattern. See, I'm I'm quite opposite. I look at them. I'm like they are absolutely a problem, and I would have to be very cautious of when they hit seven mana. What are they doing? And I would be trying to keep them off seven mana if I can, um, because of the fact that you know Golos is potentially so backbreaking. If they can, act, I mean, one activation could do it. Really, it could. So you know, I'm not a big fan of like I would definitely be like they would be target numero uno until I ascertained that their deck was not actually that good. Um, the only good thing about a Golos deck is that you can, like, routinely kill Golos, which is fine, but, you know, every time you kill it, they just go find more land, and the tax, the tax isn't that, isn't that much, so, no, I, I don't like it, I don't, I don't like the banning, I don't think it was needed, it's been in the format for two years, like, and there's lots of people who play it, is it, was, was anything actually breaking as a result of, them of, of letting Golos continue to be be played. I don't think it was breaking anything. I think it was just fine. So I'm disappointed that it got that it got nerfed and put out to pasture. But I mean, it is what it is. I mean, at least the good the, like the only thing I, I look at is that like the like the rules committee and the commander advisory group spent a lot of time. I'm sure discussing this. As I'm sure this is not something they just thought up of, you know. On, like, with a, for a laugh and a giggle and a fart on the side, like there was a lot of good conversation that went into this. I have no doubt, um, but I'm still disappointed that 
Golos got removed, and I don't I don't agree with it personally. Any other thoughts or Lux on Golos being banned? And uh, no, not really. Well, they also unban unbanned a card, which I I don't understand either. So they unbanned Worldfire. So I'm going to read Worldfire for you, audience, and you can decide for yourselves if you think this card should have been unbanned. So six red, red, red. So nine mana for a sorcery. Exile all permanents. Exile all cards from all hands and graveyards. Each player's life total becomes one. But who wanted that card back in the format? And no one that I know of. Yeah, exactly. Nobody wants this card back in the format. Because all that happens here is you're going to absolutely just abuse this with uh, Teferi's Protection. Like, that's all that happens. That's all that's going to happen here. It's going to be Teferi's Protection, and it's going to be bad. So here's what I was thought with it when I saw this card get unbanned, and I'm thinking, hmm. And we go look at Teferi's Protection. Teferi's Protection is two and a white for instant. Until your next turn, your life total can't, can't change, and you have protection from everything. All permanents you control phase out. So Worldfire can't get you. And so now you need the three mana for Teferi's Protection, and you need the six white, red, red, red for the world fire and you say well bruce but you're in red and white how how difficult can it be to generate this sort of this much mana i'm like it's only 12 mana it's only 12 mana and you get and now you're in a color combination with zerda so zerda the dawn waker is um a cute little uh, companion from Ikoria that says I, I, abilities that you activate that aren't mana abilities cost two less to activate. This effect can't reduce the mana in that cost to less than one mana. And so you can use Zerda here to go infinite with like a basalt monolith or something like that. Make a very large amount of color of generic mana and then you would need red 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 and a white to make that be a reality which seems like a possibility but now you're a bad person because you've just tough protection yourself out of existence in response to the world fire and your opponents are all mad at you because now they can't fight you even until you come back in with your hand and your creatures and you like ping them to death which sounds like a garbage win to me if i've ever heard one what do you think lux honestly it's it's just like the same situation with the Golos and thing. The I don't understand why they would unban this because like all that's gonna happen is they, it's gonna get rule zeroed in every single game. Like nobody's gonna allow it to be played. Sure, sure is. Yeah, sure is. This card is like nobody wants to have their hand and their board stripped of everything just so we can play like at one life one life point. Like that's not fun. Like not enjoyable. So, no, I think both of these choices have it were poor. Uh, I don't agree with either of them. No one wants um, a world fire. 
people were quite happy to allow goals to continue to be played. We just need to have a conversation about it. Bottom line. So, yeah. So, I think the rules committee is 0 for 2 today. What do you think? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> yep. Big wet one there. All right. So, there's our talk about the, about the bannings, everybody. Check them out. The link will be in the show notes, and you can go check them out yourself and read the logic. And uh, you can think about it yourself, see if you agree with us, um, whether or not you think that they should be, um, whether goals should have been banned or they should have just left it, uh, whether what will fire needed to be unbanned. Um, which one of those two are you more upset about, the world fire or the Golos? And honestly, I think the one that I'm most upset about, of course, then it has to be Golos, because like you said, nothing. there wasn't really anything inherently wrong with that card. No, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I, yeah, like I think that's the one I'm going to be more upset with, because I mean, I don't, I never really wanted to play the World Fire anyway. It's not exactly what I want to do when I build decks. Uh, and I don't know anybody who wants to play that. Um, but I know people who would play Golos and everyone wanted to build Golos in their own sort of unique way. I mean, I, I know a bunch of people who built Golos decks. Now, Golos is very good. Like he's a very, very good commander and has got a very high power level and makes him very compelling to play. But I don't think he was inherently broken, nor do I think he was overrunning the format in such a way that he needed to go. But, hey, what do I know? Apparently, Sheldon and the Rules Committee knows more than us. So that's okay, uh, I guess. So, anyway. Yep, over two today there, Rules Committee, not a fan. Not a fan, at least on my end. All right, Lux, we move on to some spoilers. Yep. All right. So, we're going to move on to some Innistrad Midnight Hunt. Now, folks, we sort of meant to get to some of these guys last week, but we'll have to make two. Uh, how many cards do I hear? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. Lucky 13 in a, in a, in a set with uh, Yeah, perfect for Innistrad. All right, so here we go. Um, want to do the first one, Lux, or you want me to do it? I think this one's like feels like a Lux card. And I'll do it. Okay, go for it. So Starting off, we have a double faced planeswalker, and Arlen the Pack Soap is the front uh, part, and two in green red. Legendary planeswalker Arlen, like four loyalty, with a new mechanic, Daybound. If a player casts in no spells during their own turn, it becomes night next turn. And her plus one, until your next turn, you may cast creature spells as though they had flash, and each creature you control enters the battlefield with additional plus one, plus one counter on it. Minus three, create two, two, two green wolf creature tokens. Then they transform it. You get Arlen, Moon's Fury, and same loyalty. And of course, Nightbound, another new mechanic. If a player casts at least two spells during their own turn, it becomes day next turn. Plus two, add a you know, red green. Zero, until end of turn, Arlen, the Moon's Fury, becomes a five, five werewolf creature to with a trample, indestructible, and haste. Whew. Okay. Quite the mouthful there. So, what do we think here? Is Arlen? How, what are they? So, I think the first question comes down to this: Nightbound versus Daybound, which is similar to the old werewolf mechanic, 
Do you think this is going to be pretty easy to flip back and forth, or do you think it's going to be tricky? And I think it might be easy to flip. So, Daybat, if a player casts no spells during their own turn, and it could be any player at the table, so if someone doesn't cast a spell and instead sort of draws and says go, then it becomes night, and Arlen flips. Now, I'm going to be honest. I think it's actually going to be pretty challenging in Commander to have somebody spend cast no spells on their turn. That's what I think. I think it's going to be really difficult to have a situation where someone casts no spells. Imagine, how many times do you feel like you can, you can realistically say, oh, I don't need to play my turn right now in a game of Commander. I'll just pass it and let the next guy go. That doesn't happen. You do stuff. You cast things. So I think triggering this to flip to, dark, to night, Nightbound is tough. Um, and then... Yeah, so I think... And then I think the other side is Nightbound. If a player casts at least two spells during their own turn, it becomes day next turn. So I think you're going to have Arlen, the Pax Hope, very much in the Daybound mode. Um, because I think, particularly in the later stages of the game, you're going to have people firing off many, many spells, and Arlen, if she lives, is going to be you know, stuck on that daybound side. So the question becomes, how much do we like the, di- the daybound side, which is probably going to be, I would expect, where you spend 80% of your time with Arlen. Do we like her front side? And I know I do. I just wish that she didn't have the red... Yeah, well, going with us. well, I think you just want to put her in, in, in your Abzan deck and make things flash. How right, how right am I? <laughs> yep. So, I like that plus one. I think that's very powerful. Um, anytime you can cast things at flash speed is very, very powerful. So, that is a big deal. Um, and then they come in with an extra plus one plus one counter on it. So, it's like kind of like Grum Gully... Um, which is kind of nice too, but uh, then the minus three where you create two green green wolf creature tokens. Sorry, two two green wolf tokens. That's a really good way to protect yourself. So I like I, I like Arlen's front side. I think she, I think she's very good. I think the play pattern is going to be probably like she comes down on four, makes two wolves, so she, you put her at one, and then you're going to be trying to tick her back up so you can get some more wolves out of her. That's what I think. The back, I don't know how much you're going to play her on the backside. A, I think it's going to be tricky to trigger her so she is on her back so, on the back, but um, okay, plus two, make two mana. Do you care? And not really. No, that's, to me, that's, that is not a thing. So if you flip Arlen, you want 5-5 five, five indestructible haste thumpy, thumpy creature. So um, how much do you care about that in Commander Lux? And honestly, it seems like that part can go a long way. I don't know about that. I mean, 5-5, five, five, okay, we're playing Commander here. We're not playing Limited, we're not playing Standard. A 5-5 five, five for 4 mana with a conditional flip doesn't seem like that's, you know, that outrageous. I have a feeling like in Commander, it's going to be blocked pretty readily by somebody's big thing. So, if you get Arlen flipped over, 
it's going to be challenging to flip her back. Not challenging. You're going to want to try and get her back, I think. Because I don't think that, that those abilities on her back in Commander are that potent. Like, obviously, the making mana is big, but is it enough that you're going to want to have her like flipped over? And I don't think a 5-5 does that much. Having played with Gideon, Champion of Justice, where Gideon has the ability to become a very large um, soldier token, essentially, with indestructibility, it doesn't do that much. And I think this 5-5 is very similar. Like It does have Trample, which is a thing, but I don't know if it does enough. So, that's my thought. Any other thoughts there, Lux? I've, I've talked a long, a long way. Do you want to go? Anything else you want to say? And all I will say is that I'm definitely looking forward to this card in particular. She's a cool card. I think she's a very cool design. I like her a lot. Uh, I do have a werewolf deck, and so I would love to put Arlen in the werewolf deck anyway. Um, I just think from thematics, it sounds like fun, but... Uh, I'm just uh, I've, I'm skeptical about the card. I don't know how, how good it is going to be in Commander. Up next, we have Enduring Angel. So two white, white, white for a creature angel flying, double strike. Uh, you have Hexproof. If your life total would be reduced to zero or less, instead transform Enduring Angel and your life total becomes three. Then if Enduring Angel didn't transform this way, you lose the game. We can transform it into Angelic Enforcer. Uh, star Star with Flying. It's a creature angel. You have Hexproof. Angelic Angel uh, Enforcer's power and toughness are equal to your life force. So your life total. Whenever Angelic Enforcer attacks, double your life total. Do we, do we like this card? I mean, honestly, the... It doesn't really seem like a card you really want on the field unless you are close to like getting pinged out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the giving you you hexproof is decent. But you think about it. In the course of a game, how many times are you targeted directly by your opponents? Not that often. No, like I I, I find there's not a lot of Targeted, targeted stuff at players in Commander. They target our creatures and kill our things. Um, but I think most often than not, we're talking about board wipes and stuff where Hexproof doesn't really seem to matter much. So, you know, this ability on the front side is interesting. I think the condition to flip it is very dubious. And then you get a star star. I don't know. I, I don't know. Lux, help me out here. Do I want this? I don't like. I don't think I want this card. That's what I think. No, they, neither do I. They, no, they get it out of here. It's garbage. No, it's not garbage. But I don't think I want it for commander. I think it'd be fine and limited. I think that's where this is, this is going to be. This is going to be a limited card. But like, it doesn't have flash. Like that, uh, that the ability to to flip it isn't interest isn't that compelling to me the fact that you can do it wrong and you can lose the game is also an issue so 
No, I'm not a big fan of. I'm not a big fan of Enduring Angel. I'm just just don't just don't just don't dig it. Not in. I'm out. Anything else, Lux? Nope. Okay. Poppet Stitcher, and then Poppet Factory. Lux, go ahead, give it a read. Okay, then. Kind of cut out there a little bit, but I'm oh, gonna move on. Um, so, give it a read. Yeah, give Poppet Stitcher a read. Box, you there? Locks. Locks. Oh, I can hear you. Let's see if that fixed it. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, they, yeah and then apparently it was my headphones because I cannot hear you, so I muted myself just in case that was that was what was going on. Oh, okay. Well, there we go. We're back. So you can read Poppet Stitcher. Yeah, and then so for two and a blue, you get a creature, a human wizard, two three. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, create a two two black zombie creature token with decayed. It can't block, and when it attacks, sacrifice it at end of combat. At the beginning of your upkeep, if you control three or more creature tokens, you may transform Poppet Stitcher. And then the back side is Puppet Factory. Creature tokens you control lose all abilities and have base power and toughness 3 3. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may transform Puppet Factory. Hmm. This one's weird. Yeah, and that, that backside, and I don't really care much for that. Well, I mean, it's fine, like, because what it does is it turns all your zombie tokens that you, that you flipped uh, or that you created uh, into being 3 3s. So. You have a turn where you go, where you storm off, like, let's imagine you're playing a heavy blue deck. Let's imagine you're playing Orvar, for instance. You cast a whole bunch of instants of sorceries, get a whole lot of, uh, of zombie tokens, and then um, you, have, you, you, flip, you flip this thing over, and they all become 3-3s three with, like, without the decay, so they can attack. I like, I mean, it's interesting. I just don't know how, like, I feel like we already have this effect and it's all, it's all, almost easier to play. When you're talking about Talrand, Sky Summoners, I think, like, Talrand kind of does this. And I think Tal Talrand is better because Talrand makes 2 2 flying drakes. So, I don't love Papa Stitcher, I'll be honest. I don't love it. Any thoughts? You want to, you want to change my mind? Is this thing good? And I'm not even going to attempt to change your mind. It's a blue card. You oh. know how I feel about blue. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry, their audience. I was trying to get Lux to have a conversation with me, but nope. Okay. We'll move on to Sigarda, Champion of Light. Sigarda is one white, green, green. Sorry. One green, white, white. There we go. Got it right. Legendary creature Angel 4 4 Flying Trample. Humans you control get plus one plus one. And then Coven. Whenever Sigarda attacks, if you control three or more creatures with different powers, put the top five cards of your library. You may reveal a human card 
from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So, what do you think of Sigarda? And Human Tribal. Yeah, I guess Human Tribal is where she goes. Is she good? Well, like, this is one of those cards where, like, you're going to have to wait until it sees play, because and I've been, like, cast doubt on things before, and I've been proven wrong when they saw play. I know, but you see, here's the thing. Like, people pay us the big bucks out there in the internet world to, 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 make, hot, to make a hot take, Sir Lux, so I'm going to make a hot take here. You're going to play the safe route. I'm going to go and say, Sigarda's Champion of Light is garbage. Just pure, unmitigated poop. This is a limited limited card there, ladies and gentlemen. This is not a this is not a, a commander card. I know it's dressed up in commander this and commander that, but this is not a commander card. This is a a a, a, a tribal limited card where you're going to go find a bunch of humans because okay, think about this, Lux. How much have you got to do in order to make Sigarda good? So you've got a lander as a four mana creature. And then you got to get her to attack, and you got to have three or more creatures with different powers in order to make her be good. And then you go and find a human and you put it in your hand, not vomit it on the battlefield. That's a lot of ifs in order to get a pretty modest payout. Agree or disagree? Well, I, like I said, I agree with you, but. And you never know. They there's probably going to be someone out there that finds some way of making this work. Like there always is somehow. Well, I mean, you can make her. You can make her work. I mean, she's she's definitely workable. There's enough humans out there in the world of magic that you can definitely find humans for her. But if you're talking about making a you know a deck that is going to pack enough punch, I don't know if Sigard is going to do it unless you're playing at quite a low power level. Because a lot of ifs and buts in order to make her trigger and make her good. Cool card. Like, I like her, but I don't think she's that good. I'm I'm kind I'm, I'm kind of out on Sigarda. Um, I'm going to go on the record as saying I don't think it's very good, and you'd be better served playing one of the other Sigardas. That's my that's what I come down to. Lux, read me the Ren and Seven. Because this card is good. Let me pull it up real quick. <laughs> hey, Renin 7 for 3 and a green. And 2 green. Legendary Placewalker Ren, 5 loyalty. Plus 1, reveal the top 4 cards of your library. Put all land cards revealed this way into your hand and the rest into your graveyard. And 0, put any number of land cards from your hand onto the battlefield tapped. Minus three, create a green tree folk creature token with reach, and this creature's power and are equal, each equal to the number of lands you control. Then minus eight, return all permanent cards from your graveyard to your hand. You get an emblem with, you have no maximum hand size. So this is a real card. This is real. Yep. <laughs> like, this is real. So, okay. Let's talk, talk through these, these, these abilities. Plus one, reveal the top four cards of your library. Put all land cards revealed this way into your hand. Okay, so now you're filtering and you're feeding your graveyard with Ren. So if you're, if you're a self-mill deck, that feels pretty good. Would you agree, Lux? Yep. 
Like, this goes in Nethroy, I'm telling you right now. So, on turn, whenever you land Rune 7, you're going to plus it right away, and you're going to go and put some lands from your deck into your hand. The next turn, presumably you have more than, more than one land in hand, you minus it, and you vomit all the lands onto the table. And then after that, you can decide what you're going to do. If you want to continue to plus one and feed your graveyard, or you minus three, you want to make a blocker. Um, or then when you get really down to it, you can, all those things you just pitched in your yard, you can now get them all back with your minus eight. And I think that seems pretty good to me. So this seems like a good card, and you want to play it. Yep. Lux? Yep, pretty much. Yeah, Nethroid uh, does not like an empty graveyard. No, and this guy's going to help you fill it. So, yes, please. Now, the issue here is that Ren and Seven are pre-ordering for almost $30. So, just saying, not cheap. So, if you open one up in your packs um, the, next week, uh, enjoy. <laughs> All right. Any other thoughts? Honestly, I think... And I know I said that I liked an Arlen, but I think I just found my chase card big time. Oh, I think you're right. I think that's, that's a pretty easy one for me. All right, up next we have Tarmo Jelly. This is me, I think. Three green green creature ooze was, was the star and then star plus one. Consuming Blob's power is equal to the number of card types among cards in your graveyard, and its toughness is equal to that number plus one. At the beginning of your of your end step, create uh, a green ooze creature token with this creature's power is equal to the number of card types among cards in your graveyard, and toughness is equal to the number one. So, do we like consuming blob? Well, as you as that little pun you made, this is literally just Tarmogoyf if and the Simic Combine got a hold of it. Uh, oh. Yeah, so I don't know why, but I got, maybe, mm, I get the wrong link? But yeah, this is, um, this is, yeah, Tarmo, Tarmogoyf, Tarmo Jelly, like, I didn't mean to make the pun, that's literally the hyperlink. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, so, anyway, I mean, this is a fun card. It's a fun card, but I'm not convinced this is going to be any good in Commander. That's really my, my opinion. Like, I just don't think this is going to be any good in Commander. Because 5 mana, we can find a lot of more powerful things to do with 5 mana. And then, like, it makes other tokens. And I don't, I don't know. Like, I just don't think that Consuming Blob is going to be that, that big a player. And like it might see you know, like some play in modern or maybe even legacy. Um, not a five mana. No one's playing that in modern. Like modern these days is way too fast. Like if you've been paying attention to what's winning in modern, like there's no way they're casting a five mana do nothing creature. Same with legacy. Like this is this is like strictly a commander card. Maybe it might see in a half ounce of play in, in some standard deck, but. No, 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 it's not. This is not a thing. So, I mean, people will jam it in Commander, but, you know. Who knows how many people decide to play that card? But they will play this card. 
Liar, disciple of the drowned locks reach before us, even if it is blue. Loading. <laughs> Loading. Okay, we are disciple of the drowned uh, three in blue blue. Legendary creature human wizard three four. Spells can't be countered. Each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard has flashback. The flashback costs. Oh, the... oh. oh, did you not hear me? No, you cut over for a second. Could you start from spells can't be countered? Okay, the spells can't be countered. Each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard has flashback. The flashback cost is equal to that card's mana cost. This card is dumb. This is this card's gonna be very very good. Like you're already in you're already in the color that wants to play instants and sorceries, and Lear is letting or liar or whatever you want to call his name is allowing you to cast your all your all your control cards, all your counter spells from your graveyard for the flashback cost. So that's a problem. And like this card is literally telling the blue players that hey, if you go up against other blue players, you can tell them no, but they can't tell you no. Yeah, pretty much. Like okay, so I I already played Dralnu, and Dralnu is like has a snapcaster like ability on it. Liar here or Lear definitely has the snapcaster text on it. As a static ability. It's not when it enters the battlefield. It's like, nope. Just, here's the thing this card does. This card is nuts. The only saving grace that it's, it's five mana instead of seven. As I can imagine this being seven mana. I'm like, whoa, boy. Yeah, no. <laughs> like, this card is crazy. <laughs> Big yeah, like, thing. imagine you're playing... Like, imagine you're playing Azorius, that you, like, someone drops this, you want to tell them no, but you can't. Like, you basically nope. can't do anything nope. to them like, anymore. Nope. No, you're just, you're sunk. You're just sunk. I think the card's amazing. Love it. Um, next, we have Champion of the Perished. This is a fun play on Champion of the Perished, which was, um, or is a very powerful human card from the original uh, Innistrad block. So, one black mana for a 1-1 zombie. Whenever another zombie enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one, plus one counter on Champion of the Perished. Lux, thoughts? And, and honestly, they, I'm honestly really not sure. Like, I don't know. What... Well, this is, this, is like, this is a tribal card. Like, so you put this in your tribal deck... And when you sack a bunch of zombies to your to your Phyrexian altar or your uh, you know your other whatever other sack that you have, you're gonna make a champion of the parish of the perished really big um, at instant speed out of nowhere and just get your opponent. Pretty pretty straightforward. I like the card. I think it's a fun callback, but it's not like a tricky card. Like, zombie tribal's a thing. People do it. All the time. Alright, moving on. Deserted Beach. Do we want to talk about this one? Oh, this is the land cycle. So this is the example I have of the land cycle. Um, so it says, Deserted Beach, land, 
Deserted Beach enters the battlefield taps unless you control two or more other lands. And as this one can tap for a white or a blue. And they have all five allied colors in this set. So, thoughts? What do you think, what do you think of the land cycle? I think it looks cool. I'll have to wait. I think it looks pretty playable. Um, like Because of the fact it comes into play, in most cases, untapped. This is the way that text is worded, you're going to be incentivized to play it after you've played two other lands, meaning it's going to come into play untapped most of the time. I think that's going to be pretty good if you're quick and able to do it. So I, li- I like them. I think they're good. They're, they're a fine cycle. Are they going to are they, are they going to break? Are they going to break the game in half? I don't think so. But I think I think they're another viable option for commander, and people are going to play them. That's what I think. Any thoughts, Alex? Eh, no. No? Alright. Sounds good. Um, Gisa, Glorious Resurrector. Go ahead, Lux. Okay, and uh, for two, and a uh, double black, uh, legendary creature, human wizard, 4-4. Four, four. If a creature an opponent controls would be would die, exile it instead. At the beginning of your upkeep, put all creature parts exile with Gisa, Glorious Resurrector. Under the battlefield, under your control, they gain decayed. Well, this looks like a fun zombie commander. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, no, I like this card. So it's, so it's got great graveyard hate on it, and then you can go and... Yeah, I, I like I like Disa Glorious Resurrector. I think it's a good card. Um, an interesting, an interesting option for a mono black zombie tribal. Pretty okay with it. Any thoughts? Any other thoughts? And my question is, and which one do you think is better in uh, this version of Gisa or the original? Oh, I don't know if we'll look at other Gisa. Wait a second, Gisa. Full color Gisa. Yep. Black tap. Sacrifice another creature. Create X two two black zombie creature tokens where X the sacrifice creature power, creature power. I think it's the old one, but I like I like the new one too though. I think the old one's been a little bit better though. That's my own thought, though. The reason I like it better is the fact that you can make a whole... Like, you sack one zombie to make two, and you can sack you know, a bigger creature, and you can make a whole bunch of zombies, and you can flood the board with, with ghoul color Gisa. I think Gisa Glorious Resurrector is a little bit trickier. But maybe I'm wrong. We will see. All right, let's see. Um, where do we get to? Lisa, Forgotten Archangel. Unless you have anything else you want to say about Gisa there, Lux. Nope. No, okay, Lisa, Forgotten Archangel. Two white, white, black for a four, five legendary creature angel. Flying lifelink. Whenever another non-token creature you control dies, 
Return that card to its owner's hand at the beginning of the next end step. And then if a creature an opponent controls would die, exile it instead. Wowzers. That card's good. Yeah, I know. So whenever another non-token creature you control dies, return her uh, to that owner's hand at the beginning of his next end step. So, no, I like this card because I think that first line, that, sorry, the flying lifelink is good on a, on a big fat body, but that line of text, whenever another non-token creature you control dies, return to its owner's hand, that's like kind of like um, the the black white god from Theros, like just returning things to your hand when they die. And I'm a big fan. I think Lisa is very very good. Um, I'm a big fan. I think she's very powerful. And I think Netherite's found another friend from this set. I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're think you're not wrong. And then you uh, and the price point is like three dollars. It's pre-selling for like three dollars. Like. You can get the the looks like a foily for oh no it's the alternate art version for like five bucks seems good to me so and the alternate art is stunning so I'm gonna do it folks <laughs> so Lisa's good yep. um oh this one's this one's another Lux card right here go ahead and and next up we have Tovalar Dire or Overlord one green one red green legendary creature human werewolf three three when a wolf or werewolf you control deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. At the beginning of your upkeep, if you control three or more wolves and or werewolves, it becomes night. Then transform any number of human werewolves you control. And of course, daybound. Then on the other side, mm-hmm. Kevlar, the Midnight Scourge. And 4-4, four, four, when a wolf or werewolf you control deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. X and a red-green. Target wolf or werewolf you control gets a plus X plus zero and gains trample until end of turn. This card is so dumb. So, such a good commander. Okay, so let's start on the front side. So whenever a wolf or a werewolf you control deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. You know how many werewolf, like werewolves you have that have trample? Like all of them have trample, right, Lex? Yeah. yeah. Which means you're totally drawing cards. Great. Nothing sounds like more fun than filling my hand full of cards. And then if you have three or more wolves, now you can flip it. I think that's pretty easy to do. You can flip with with, with this pretty more. You can control this better than uh, what was the, the one we saw at the start? The Arlen Cores. You can control it um, a little bit more easily. So Tovalar is good on the front. Uh, so whenever a wolf or werewolf you control this combination player, draw cards. You still have that. And then you have Kessig Wolf Run staple to Tovalar. So there's no part of this card I don't like. There's no card, no part of I don't like. This is this is the werewolf commander. Yeah, you know what I think. What's that? And that uh, deck you made a while back. I have a feeling Ulrich has just been voted out of office. Oh yeah. Ulrich is now like sitting, like riding the back of the bus. This guy's in charge, driving all the way. So yeah, yeah, no, not a big fan like, of Ulrich, like, but I'm a big fan of this guy. You think werewolves finally have a viable commander for once? Yeah, pretty much. 
All right. Then we had Jaren, Corrupted Bishop, which got my attention. So Jaren, Corrupted Bishop, is a two and a, a black for a 2-3 legendary creature human cleric. Whenever Jaren, Corrupted Bishop, enters the battlefield or, or another human uh, you control dies, you lose one life and you cr and create a 1-1 one, one white human creature spirit token. Uh, two, target human you control gains life link until end of turn. And then at the beginning of your end step, if you have exactly 13 life, you may pay black, black, and four. And if you do, you transform Japan. And which way do we transform? No, wait a second. Let me transform Jaren. Okay. And then you transform Jaren. And Jaren is Ormondal the Corruptor, Flying Trample, Life Link, 6-6. Six, six. Sacrifice other creature, draw a card. So I like Jaren. Jaren's fun. Yeah. Yeah. How much how easy do you think it's gonna be to flip him to make him be make a 13 life? How hard do you think it's gonna be? And honestly, odds are that you're probably not gonna be uh, make transforming him all that much, if at all. Yeah, so you're looking at the at the Aristocrat abilities on the front. Pardon me. So you're looking at the aristocrat abilities on the front more so than the back. And so, I don't know, man. I think the car is cool. I think it is cool. That's all I'm going to say. I don't know. I think it's a fun card. I like it. I want to cast, I want to play more Ormondals. That's what I need. I need more Ormondals in my life. Yeah, because in the Arbor back when Shadows of Innistrad first came out, Everybody was up in arms uh, over Westvale Abbey. It was one of the yeah. champs. Yeah, it most certainly was. I remember that card being very hot. Not now. Now it's just another, yet another yeah. string of medium cards that are out there. It's because it's slow. That was the problem. It's slow. Commander seems to be increasing in speed, and so I think people are less apt to play it. There's lots of other really good cards there, folks. I mean. This is not a comprehensive review by any stretch of the imagination. So we had 13 cards. We didn't talk about the new Teferi. We didn't talk about um, well, quite a number of things. Let's have a quick look at some of the talk today. Well, okay. Do we... Is there anything else you want to talk about there, Lux, before we move on? Or do, you, or, do you, or do you think we want to tackle a deck, or do you think we want to wrap it up tonight? Well, I was looking through the show notes, and I noticed that you have, I think, four decks. Well, I don't actually have four decks. Three of those are have been given to us by other members of the Lotus Council community. Who were I was playing with some of them on, on one one evening, and then I had a bunch of different um, different decks. And I shared some of the ones that uh, that I brewed as well. The one I brewed tonight was actually Jaren. Um, I yeah. thought because Jaren I thought was compelling, um, and so that was the deck that I brewed up tonight, which is the first the first hyperlink, and we'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, and so now the problem with this deck is that. It runs into a problem where it's a little on the expensive side because there's a number of very good cards you end up wanting to play because you want to play humans. So you want to play humans, but you can't play too many humans because if you play too many humans, then your deck is underpowered. 
So how how many humans are in this deck? So you got Bloodsoak Champion is a human. You get Ayara. That's no, that's an elf. Hendrik uh, Zar. Um, Gr Grim Harrowspecs. Um, let's see. Ledmere, Midnight Reaper, Zombie, Pitiless Plunder. Pitiless Plunder is is a is a human. So it was a Playcrafter. Um, then we keep going. We have uh, Priest of Forgotten Gods, the human. Just keep going. Sir Conrad, Viscera Seer, Whisper. That's all the humans. We don't have a ton of humans necessarily, but you can you know make good use of Jaren because you can make human tokens. But then you're and then you're playing uh, the Planeswalkers, Loth and Tevish Zat. I think both of those are interesting cards. You're playing uh, Yogmoth, Thrawn Physician. That's definitely an, an interesting division. And then you get your you know you get your obvious obligatory Westfell Abbey down there in the in the lands. Your enchantments. You get some pretty decent cards. You have Deadhorn Invasion, and you get. Um, that's in lieu of a, like a, uh, bitter, bitter blossom. Um, but you get black market, bastion remembrance, lots of ways to sacrifice things. And then you have your artifacts, you have your, you know, altar and, and whatnot. Altar of, of dementia, astronaut's altar, on whose monument, uh oh, we better watch out. And then, yeah, so on the whole. It's a fun deck, I think. It's, I think it's got some potential. Um, I don't know what you think there, Lux. What do you think? And, and I think, you know, they, maybe at some point, maybe try to they brew this deck and they modify it a bit. Yeah, I mean, I think it, because it's monocolored, I think it's pretty easy on the mana requirements. So I think that's a nice, that's a nice piece. And you can modify it as you see fit. But anyway, it's not a We'll have to get to that part, but well, I think it's I think it's fun. I'm looking forward to to seeing if I can put this together and, and having a go, having a go. All right, so Lux, anything else you want to throw in here? It's it's getting late. We probably should be moving our audience on to wrapping up the show. So, uh, any last words on the deck or on uh, min, on Midnight Hunt? And I got nothing on the deck to, and and for the set. I have to bet, like, even though we had doubts at the start, I'm actually looking forward to this one now. Me too. I have looked at it carefully, and I'm like, I like this. I like it a lot better than I liked Strixhaven or Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. I kind of thought those were kind of duds. Um, did was not a big fan. Um, as it turns out, the only cards in Strixhaven I like are the Mystical Archives. So, oops. Uh, and then I didn't buy any... Um, any forgotten adventures in the forgotten realms so and yeah, no, i haven't touched that set no so i'm ready to get into with, with the with the cards here and there's some there's some cool stuff to play with so i'm a big fan i'm a big fan um all right folks uh that's just what wraps up this week's show uh thanks everybody for stopping in and having a listen with us i uh, really appreciate it 
Uh, as always, if you want to leave us some feedback, probably the best way to do it is to email us at the Epic Experiment Podcast at gmail.com. We love to get mail, so if you have something you want to share with us, a deck list, an idea, or you want to call us out on a mistake we made, whatever, let us know. Um, you know how to reach me. Um, also, if you want to hit us up on Twitter, you can find us at the at Epic EXP Cast, which is our Twitter handle. Or you can find all of our decks, including this week's deck and any other deck that we brewed for the show, uh, on Moxfield. And be sure to use the Epic Experiment podcast as the username so you can find us. Uh, as always, leave a question, leave, leave a comment, like, follow, subscribe, whatever. Every little bit helps to get the word out that we are here and we are talking Commander almost every single week. And we'd love to hear from you guys. So help us out, get the, spread the word. The Epic Experiment Podcast is here. Uh, next week, we're going to be uh, talking some more uh, Midnight Hunt. Uh, maybe it'll be our rules show. If not, if it's not our rules show per se, it will be uh, more previews and we'll be lining up our judge, uh, maybe Judge Chris or another judge here shortly to come in and talk to us about our rules. Um, but otherwise, uh, that's for next week. Until then, this is the Epic Experiment Podcast signing off. Wishing you the best wherever you play Magic Next. Thanks very much, everybody. Take care. Have a good day.